to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, Certified Conversion Copywriter and Copy Strategist. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. Today's guest is Tim Fitzpatrick. Tim is the president of Rialto Marketing. He is an entrepreneur and business owner with marketing and growth expertise. So he started Rialto Marketing in 2013. It's been helping B2B professional service firms that want to accelerate revenue growth and attract more of their ideal clients. And he believes that marketing shouldn't be difficult, but you must remove your revenue roadblocks if you want to accelerate revenue growth. So in today's episode, he talks about what are the main marketing fundamentals And he gives us some quick tips about helping to hone in on our ideal clients. And then also he discusses the biggest mistakes he sees businesses make with their marketing message and how to make marketing planning simple. So let's jump right in. All right, Tim, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. So welcome and thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Linda. I'm excited to uh, dig into this today. And this is like one of those topics that when you get into a business, it's real easy to kind of forget the fundamentals. And even as a copywriter, a lot of times I'll go back and review some just classes I've taken in the past. And it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You know, so today I really want to dive into the fundamentals of marketing. And and actually, let's just start with like, how did you get into marketing? It's such a huge yeah, you know, it's a huge field. So how did you get into it? Yeah, yeah. I'll try and give you the uh, the cliff note version. It was a very roundabout way, but I, when I graduated from college, I got involved with a wholesale distribution company that my dad had actually founded. When I joined the company, there was no full-time employees. I had no idea what the hell I was going to do. I was a math major and I knew he needed help. So I was like, hey, let me help you for the summer. Well, that that was all she wrote. Like at the end of three months, I was like, I don't want to do anything else. This is so cool. And fortunately, he, he agreed to have me. So I worked with my dad for over 10 years. I ran the distribution company. We grew 60% a year on average for nine years, and then we sold it. So obviously, huge learning experience for me. I, I learned so much throughout that experience. And after we sold, I stayed on with the company for three years. And then I moved with the company to Colorado. And in two, this was 2008, 2009 timeframe. And in 2009, they closed 30% of the branch locations. So I got laid off. Uh, so I got laid off from the company that bought us, transitioned into real estate for two or three years, could not stand it. So I was like, I got to do something different. You know, what's the point in having your own business if you hate it? So that's when I transitioned into marketing. And initially, I was actually focused on in the mobile application space. I've shifted multiple times within marketing until I really found something that one, I was good at, and two, something that I really enjoyed. And and that's what I'm doing today, which is working really at the intersection of marketing strategy, planning, and leadership. Wow. So it just shows that it's not something that occurred to you overnight. It wasn't like no. you woke up one day. I don't think any kid ever says, I'm going to grow up and be a marketer. I don't think you know <laughs> No, most kids, I don't, they don't even know what marketing is. Like my, right. my kids ask me, they're like, Dad, what do you do? And I try to keep it as simple as possible. 
It is one of those fields that it's really hard to explain to people who aren't in it. Like I have people even ask me what I do as a copywriter. And, you know, I just said, well, it's like, you know, those ads you see. I mean, I'll just throw out something that people relate to, but there's so much more to it. And the same with marketing. Yeah, there's a lot of different aspects of it. And I noticed that on your website, there's a lot of talk about overwhelm. And it sounds like, is that like a common theme with marketers just to be overwhelmed with? It is a common theme with our ideal clients. They're overwhelmed. There's information overload. And when you have information overload with marketing, most people feel overwhelmed or they feel frustrated, right? They're just, when you have so much information coming at you, which is exactly what's happening with marketing today, because there's so many different marketing channels. There's so many different tactics within those channels. People are just like, where do I, like, what do I need to do based on where I am and where I want to go? What should I be doing? So many people struggle with that and they shouldn't. But what you need to do to get past that is you need to come back to the fundamentals. And that's the first big question for you. So what are those marketing fundamentals? And what do you tell people who say to you, what is marketing and how, how do I even begin to understand it? I like the definition of marketing from John Jantz over at Duct Tape Marketing. He said, with marketing, the the whole purpose of marketing is to get someone who has a need or a problem you can solve to know, like, and trust you. That's it. It warms people up so that when they, that need or that problem that they have becomes so great and they raise their hand, like, I need help, that they know, like, and trust you so that they think of you and actually reach out to you. It sounds super simple, but we have like millions of marketers who are trying to do this. (laughs) Yeah. And we, we overcomplicate things. Honestly, it is so much harder to make things simple than it is to overcomplicate them. Yeah. And I think we need to just boil things down as simple as possible. And frankly, because there's so many marketing channels, so many people feel like they need to be doing all of them. And you really don't. Very, most of us need very few yeah. marketing tactics to work. I think we need to have more than one, but we don't need eight different marketing tactics to work. I think there's so much noise, even on LinkedIn, about yeah. you know, what you should be doing and who's... Yeah. You know, everyone's talking about what's working for them. And it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Like the big thing, you know, I always talk about this is like TikTok. Um, and I had struggled with it until I decided that I'm going to maybe use it like as a portfolio type of thing, as a recommendation of a friend of mine. But I, it's just not something I want to do. It's not something I want to spend my time doing. And are you on there at all? Do you? I am, but really only because a lot of my content starts with video. And then I repurpose it from there. And I, so one of the things that I do with video is short form videos. I shoot those videos and then we put them on any of the platforms where short form makes sense. TikTok, Reels, YouTube Shorts. So I'm not creating it just for one particular medium. I'm creating it for, you know, multiple mediums that use short form. So when you're like it in, like I'm an, Uh, just an entrepreneur, solopreneur, as they call me. And so for me to be able to do, like, I can't do the Gary Vee thing. And that's kind of what you're pressured into doing is like, take your content and split it up into 20 different pieces and spread it all. And the thing is, every, every channel and every platform isn't right for the same thing, obviously. You know, LinkedIn is vastly different from TikTok, but yet there is some overlap or there is some way to actually make it work, you know, if you know how to do it. But when you talk about, you know, marketing in general, so that obviously you hear about, all right, you need to first focus in on your ideal client. 
How do you find out your ideal client? The easiest place to start, and I, here's the important thing about target market and your ideal client. Everything in marketing starts there. If you skip that, you're, you're, you're putting the cart before the horse and nothing is going to work as well as it should. You're just going to struggle. So you really have to understand who your ideal clients are. The easiest place to start for an existing business, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You need to look at your current and your past customers. The easiest thing to do, is, I call them the three power questions. Who do you love working with? Like, why do you want to work with clients that make you bang your head against a wall? You don't. So look at that. Who do you love working with? Who are your most profitable clients? It's totally okay to make money. Frankly, you can't serve your clients at the highest level unless you are profitable. And then third, who do you get great results for? When you ask yourself those three questions, you end up with this subgroup that you love working with, profitable, you get great results for. If you work with people like that day in, day out, what do you think is going to happen to your business? Yeah, it'll grow. Yeah. And you'll have fun doing it. You like exactly. It. Yeah. So that's the easiest place to start for an existing business. And then from there, once you have that subgroup, then you can start digging deeper. What are the demographics of the people in that group? Most people default to the demographics. The demographics are the numbers, right? But more importantly, are the psychographics, right? The psychographics are what get people. And you, as a copywriter, you know this. The psychographics are what get people to take action. And it allows you to really enter the conversation that they're having in their head with your messaging. And when you can do that, that's when you get people to take action and engage with what you're doing. Right. So you, when you look at the demographics and the psychographics in that group, what inevitably ends up happening is there are some subgroups from there that come to the surface that share common traits, common demographics, common psychographics. Those are your ideal clients. And it's interesting you say that with the demographics and adding the psychographics. And just for, for people who aren't familiar, the so psychographics would be, I mean, how would you define psychographic? I'll try and keep this as simple as possible and just say the psychographics is how they're feeling, what their values are what their goals, their aspirations are, is it's what they want and what they're like as a person. Mm -hmm. The demographics don't necessarily tell you their character. Right. Right. And who they are as a person. That's what the psychographics help you start to identify. Because did you ever see that it was a pretty viral meme of King Charles and Ozzy Osbourne? And it said, the demographics are exactly the same for these two people. And then <laughs> the difference, it was, it, I actually posted on LinkedIn, I've seen it in other places. If you just look at demographics, they both fit that. But yes. it's getting to the psychographics that you're going to see. Here's a guy that, you know, bites the head off of bats and here's his rule. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could, you, could look at, you could look at a group of people that make... $200,000 a year that graduated from a four-year university that are CEOs running a company. That doesn't really tell you what they're like. Oftentimes, that's where a lot of people go wrong, right? With their, when they first get started in business, they're like, okay, you have money, you're willing to pay me, you know, you have a heartbeat and you're breathing, cool, let's work <laughs> together. And it, when we do that, which I think most of us have made that mistake, 
inevitably there are clients that we work with and we get done and we're like, never again. That wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for them. The psychographics are tools that you can use in the marketing and in the sales process. When you're having an initial sales conversation with somebody, those psychographics are, are kind of a barometer that you can use to go, are we going to be a good fit or are right. we not? <laughs> it's interesting. Um, years ago, I used to work as a personal trainer. And so I would go into people's homes and a lot of my clients are very wealthy. A lot of them are very high up, you know, CEOs of companies like IBM. I didn't work with the CEO of IBM, but somebody pretty close to him. And to get to know, you, know, you get to someone's house, they're in shorts and t-shirt. They could be anybody. And yeah. so, you know, this particular person I worked with, he played the guitar. He had a great sense of humor. He always had a joke for me. And I would work out with his wife too. And she would tell me these stories about how people were afraid of him. And I said, but I, I mean, he seems like a very great guy. She goes, because you know him here. You know, she's when he's at work, he's a whole different person. To think about like the psychographics of somebody like him, he, he loved music. No one probably knew that. Mm -hmm. um, he was, he had a great sense of humor. I mean, he ran marathons. But if you just took the demographics of his profile, you wouldn't see any of that. Yeah. And I think the key is that, you know, what I thought of is the only way to get to really know the psychographics of, of your clients is to speak to them. And even a, a written survey is not even, I always push my clients, I need to talk to your customers. And a lot of people don't want to, they're like, well, you know, the, to find the time to get on the phone or a Zoom call is a huge thing. You know, people are busy, and but there's really no shortcut to that. Because even if you send out a, a form, you know, and fill this out, they have time to think. They have time to filter out their thoughts. Yeah. Or I want the real, what you're really feeling. Well, and you know what ends up happening? And Linda, this is honestly, if, if people only do one thing from this episode, I would say interview your ideal clients. Yeah. The information you glean from that will be absolutely invaluable. And what you don't get from a survey which is you can't dig deeper. Because so many people are like, well, you know, why do you work with us? Well, oh, you, you know, you have great customer service. Who cares? Everybody has great customer service. That's table stakes. You know, you need to be able to go, oh, well, that's great. Can you give me an example of some times when we've given great customer service, right? You need to peel the layers of the onion back to really get to the middle and the heart of the matter. And you need to pay attention to their words, their language, how they're saying it, because our message, and you know this as well as anybody as a copywriter, our language needs to be in theirs, not our own. Right. When it's in theirs, that's when it's going to resonate with them. Yeah. But if, if you talk to, like I said, I was in the fitness world for a long time, and I used to write for a lot of fitness publications. I wrote content. And if you said to, you know, there's men who are really into bodybuilding, use terms like getting ripped and shredded. Yeah. And, you know, you have to understand what that is. If you use the words that you use for I, there was a woman's magazine I wrote for, and the editor literally told me we never use the word muscle, which to me is crazy because I've been lifting heavy for a long time. And But she said, we just stay away from that because the women don't like it. So you have to know what words to use. So the women's publications, it was about tone and it was about, you know, lengthening the muscle. I mean, all these things, some of which were bogus, but I would refuse <laughs> to write some things like you can't lengthen a muscle, you're limited by the joints, you can't, you can't move the bones. But anyway, but to talk to, you know, a men's magazine, I remember once I actually was working over this one 
publication. They were really hardcore bodybuilding. And it was kind of on the fringes of extreme, like really extreme. And I had, it's the only time I ever had experts who did not want to be quoted in this magazine because they said it was so out there. And it was just funny because it was just very extreme. But you have to know what words they use and, and to use them in your copy, especially. You mentioned some of the big mistakes. So one of the mistakes clearly would be to not take into account the psychographics when you're doing creating a marketing message. What are some other things, that, especially B2B? Yeah, with marketing message, two of the biggest mistakes I see people making is one, they make it hard for people to understand what they do. You know, and what that's the first one. And when we confuse people, they don't do anything, right? Confused, the confused mind d- doesn't move forward, right? A confused people do not buy. And frankly, if they land on the top of your website and they can't understand really quickly, we're impatient. You know, we're so used to having answers at our fingertips in seconds. We're not going to take the time. We're move, we're going back to search results, going to the next website. So we've got to make it really clear and simple. The second big mistake people make with their marketing is they talk too much about themselves. Our customers, like the reality is they don't care about us. They care about what we can do for them, right? They care about what's in it for them. How can you help them get from where they currently are to where they want to be? And so you're very little of your marketing message should be talking about yourself, right? You do need to position yourself as an expert and someone that they can trust. But outside of that, it really needs to focus on the problems that they have and don't want and the results they want and don't have. Right. And I always tell people too, as a consumer, we are also on the other side of that table just as much because I've people say, well, that sounds selfish or self-serving or What do you mean they don't care about us? Well, if you're shopping for something and you feel like maybe you're getting ripped off or you don't understand the messaging, I mean, it's the same for anybody. Yeah. Uh, You know, if you're, I I don't care. I mean, and it's not, I guess it sounds crass. They don't care. They don't know you. So why should they? I mean, right. And that's why something like LinkedIn or uh, social media helps because you do get to know people, you know, like you and I are talking now we know each other a little bit. All those things help to build that kind of trust, you know? So, yeah. So, the complex, making it too complicated. Um, so, how can you make it more simple? Like you said, to simplify, but what maybe more so with the marketing planning? So, for with the messaging, keeping messaging simple goes back to what we touched on earlier with ideal client interviews. When you talk to them, they will, they'll say it, right? They'll tell you what you need to know. So, for example, I worked with a, um, a residential siding contractor several years ago. And, you know, in contracting, it is like notorious. They, they all say the same thing. The number one roofer or number one siding contractor in Denver. Like, really? Where did that come from? And, and do, why do I even care? I was reading through their reviews. So I went to their online reviews. I wanted to see what their customers were saying. And... One of the women in there said something to the effect of they treated my house like it was their own. That became their core message. Yeah. Right. Because being a high quality siding contractor, selling the best siding, again, that's table states. It, it is an expectation. 
But when they land on your website and you don't say, oh, we're the number one contractor in Denver, and you just say, hey, we're going to treat your home like it's our own. That's what they care about, right? right? It's finding little nuggets like that that keeps your message simple, easy for people to understand, and it's going to resonate with them. So if you honestly, if you're struggling or if you're just starting out, you don't have customers, you can always look at your competitors' reviews. Right. And that's how I was because I had somebody asked me that yesterday about my services. And they said, well, how do you find messaging if it's a startup? And I said, you know, and they don't have a competitor. Well, everyone has a competitor. You yes. No. But I said, I would look at their competitors. I would look at other similar companies. I mean, there's people talking about yes. everything. There's, there's competitors. They all have reviews. There's forums. There are social media groups for dang near any industry or vertical or niche. We're honestly doing this work is so much easier. It's not simple. It, it, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? It takes time to yeah. do it. But the information is at our fingertips with Google. So it's all there, yeah. whether you're an existing business or not. From a marketing planning standpoint, right? Keeping planning simple to me is all about looking at shorter timeframes. Okay. When we put a marketing plans together for clients, they're in 90 day sprints. Like why some, so many people put together a year long marketing plan and no year long marketing plan gets to the end of the year. And it's the same as it was at the beginning. So why make it complex? Why take the time to create a year long marketing plan? When the pandemic started, your marketing, most people's marketing plan went up on a shelf or they burned it. So 90 days, it keeps things simple, but it's, it's long enough to start seeing traction. It's short enough to make course corrections so you can wash, rinse, repeat. When I look at a 90-day marketing plan in these 90-day sprints, there's six elements to this plan. Okay, this is a really tactical plan. First, target market and who your ideal clients are within that market. So at the very least, a paragraph on each of your one to three ideal clients. And I don't believe you should have more than three. But if you do that, they're top of mind and you're going to be reviewing it and just like, hey, who do we intend to work with? Who do we intend to, to attract? And where do we need to go to get in front of those people? The second is your marketing goal, right? What's our goal for the next 90 days? It's specific. It's measurable. It's time bound. You know, I intend to bring on five new clients in the next 90 days. I think it's important to have an idea of where you're headed, but I also think a goal like this, it's, it's an outcome-based goal. There are a lot of things beyond your control that may get in the way of you hitting that goal. So I like to tell people, you need to know where you're headed, but I think it's really important to focus more on the actions you can take to help you get there than to be so tied to that goal that if you don't hit it, you get demoralized and go off the rails because that's not productive, right? The third step is what's your budget and your resources? This tells you what you have to work with. Because if you have $50,000 a month and a team of people versus $500 a month and it's just you, you can take on a whole lot more with the, with the first, right? It's not right or wrong either way, but you need to know what you have to work with so you don't bite off too much or that you don't take on too little because either one of those scenarios is not a good place to be. The fourth step is what's your current plan? 
what are you currently doing? And Linda, I know most, a lot of people may not have a plan. That's okay. What we want to do here is just get a baseline. You have to get a baseline of where you're starting from before you can figure out what you need to do to get where you want to go. It's like your GPS. Your GPS can't tell you how to get to the airport until you tell where you're starting from. Same concept here. What are you doing from a marketing perspective already that you continue to do? What, What have you put in place? Let's look at that so we get a baseline. Then in the fifth step, you can outline your priorities for the next 90 days. What am I going to focus on? When you know what your priorities are, you have clarity. That reduces stress. It reduces overwhelm. And you can focus on exactly what you need to do. At this step, most people go, well, gosh, what should I focus on? Here's three really quick things. One, if you don't have target market messaging nailed down, you got to start there. Like, you have to. Second, your website. Your website has to have good messaging. It has to have a clear path, strong calls to action. Everything you do from a marketing standpoint drives people back to your website. If that is not where it needs to be, your marketing is going to suffer. The third piece of low-hanging fruit is what's already working. So many people want to look at new tactics, new channels, but they haven't fully optimized what's already working. This is more exciting to do that. Exactly, right? It's cool. It's sexy. Oh, we're going we're gonna to create a podcast. Look, sure. or, you know, we're going to jump on YouTube or we're going to do TikTok. But you know what? If referrals are your largest lead gen source, you need to start there because most people I talk to have not optimized what's already working. They have gaps and or they could do more of some of the steps in there that are already working. And if you can do that, that's low-hanging fruit where you're going to get much faster results. So those are the three places to start with your first plan. Then the last step is the metrics. The metrics help you determine whether the actions you're taking are actually working. There's a lot of people who are investing in marketing and they're like, Gosh, I don't even know if it's working. Well, they don't know that because they haven't identified the right metrics to track. With metrics and marketing, there's so many vanity metrics that don't mean anything. If you're not tracking any metrics, three easiest places to start are leads. How many leads am I generating each month? Where are they coming from? What's the lead source? When you know the lead source, you can start to identify which actions, which tactics you're using are actually working. And then the third is how many of those leads are converting to customers each month? Then I know my conversion rate. How many leads do I need to bring in to get a customer? Those are the three easiest places to start. But that's a simple six-step marketing plan. Linda, this is like a page or two at most. That's great. I mean, because as soon as you started talking about this plan, I felt like this would help so much with overwhelm. Because I say that when you are overwhelmed, it's because you're, you don't know which direction to go in, that you need to break it down. And that's why I actually have like a post-it note on my, on my computer when I get, when I feel like that. And the notes from that book, The One Thing, you know, so yes. that's the one thing I can do right now to move my business forward. So then I will stop and I'll say, okay, I don't need to answer emails. I don't need to do this, but this I need to finish with my client and then it, it will help me. I, it doesn't always work. I mean, sometimes I ignore the sign, but, <laughs> but, but I know that if I just did that, it would help so much. And, uh, but yeah, just having like a marketing plan, if you don't measure your results, and this is the thing, 
So uh, as a conversion copywriter and other copywriters do this as well, I want to know how, what difference my copy is making. So I'm writing emails for you and you've had an open rate of 24%. I want to know what, you know, because that's kind of average. Can we bump it up to 34? And then, because otherwise, I don't know if my copy's even working, you know, but then it's also a chance to fix it or to change it, try something new. It's all about testing. You know how that is with marketing. Yes, that's a really key point. You are never done testing. (laughs) Never. Marketing is all about testing and identifying as quickly as you can what's working and what's not so that you can make those course corrections. But this is not set it and forget it, right? It's, that is not marketing. You're always testing. And it's the same with value propositions. You know, if I come up with one, you know, for a client, a lot of times I'm hired, like you mentioned that about like coming up with that, like that quote from that woman that said, you know, yeah, the, yeah they treated their, they treated my house like their own. But I wanted to also add to that is that that also added emotion to it. I mean, mm-hmm. who doesn't relate to their home? Because it would have been a little different if she said, they treated it like it was their house. Mm-hmm. House and home have a different feel. Yes, they do. Home yeah. is like warm and cozy and safe. And house is like, okay, it's a building. You know, we live yep. here. But to have that sort of wording, and that's also how one word can turn around an entire message. You know, just really drive it home. And you don't realize it, it's a subtle thing. Well, this has been so great. Is there anything else that you think people need to know about marketing before we sign off? The- oh, geez. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's not, there's not too much, right? <laughs> yeah, we could, we could continue to have this conversation on and on and on. I think the, the, the one thing that I would try to leave people with or thought that I would try to leave people with is, is that marketing, it shouldn't be difficult. It is for a lot of us, but it doesn't need to be that way. We just need to we need to not overcomplicate things and keep them as simple as possible. And the best way to do that is to come back to the fundamentals because the fundamentals lay the foundation. Yeah. You know, the fundamentals in any discipline are immutable. They do not change. The fundamentals of hitting a fastball are the same today as they were 50 years ago. The same as goes for marketing. The fundamentals of marketing do not change. They have not changed and they will not change. But so many of us skip them because we want to get tactical, right? It's the, look, the marketing fundamentals are not cool and sexy. They're old news, but they're so, so important. So don't forget them. Don't skip them because if you do, you're going to waste time and money. And then you're going to end up going back to them anyway. At some point. Exactly. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. Where can people find you? I take it on LinkedIn. And- yeah, uh, yeah, LinkedIn. They can search me. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm at, uh, it's Tim P. Fitzpatrick. They can certainly go to our website at rialtomarketing.com, which is R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. The other thing that I would make available to your audience is over at revenueroadblockscorecard.com. At RevenueRoadblockScorecard.com, we've got a tool to help people identify which roadblocks are slowing down their business growth. Takes less than five minutes. You'll be able to discover and assess which roadblocks are in the way and some of the ways that you can actually remove those and start accelerating growth. Oh, great. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tim. This has been great and very helpful, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Linda. It's been a pleasure. 